Hi, this is Chris Bilton at University of Warwick, and you're listening to the We'll Meet Again podcast, life under lockdown in the cultural and creative industries. Over the next few weeks, I'll be talking to people working in the arts and media about how they and their organisations are adapting, what has changed under lockdown, what might change in the future, and what needs to change. In this episode, I'm talking to Shreya Mukherjee about advertising. Shreya is Senior Vice President and Group Strategy Director at Deutsch in New York, with a focus on the social impact of advertising. She also happens to be a graduate of the Centre for Cultural Media Policy Studies at University of Warwick. We are talking via Zoom on Thursday, the 11th of June. Well, first of all, just tell me about how your work has been impacted by COVID. You know, we have the saying here now, which is this idea of New York tough. New York's always, you know, you've lived here, you, you know what that means. There's this, this, sort of, this sort of sensibility that no matter what happens, we're just going to keep going. Mm. So I think in the beginning, there was a sense of denial. Yeah. You know, quit, whatever, we're just going to keep doing what we do. We just go, go, go. And, um, and I think that there was a moment when you realize, no, this is much bigger than what we think it is. So... I find myself and I find a lot of our clients and folks in in this industry, at least here in this country, talk a lot about rewords, like reassessing and recalibration uh, and regrouping. Um, And I think that, you know, I think the first first thing that happened was the sort of very sort of physical recalibration, just movement. Like we have to get out of work. How do we get out, be safe, you know, figure out new systems in place. There was a lot of over communication. We had status meetings multiple times a day. There's a lot of uh, sort of gravity around working in the office space. You know, the kind of accidental getting together, sparking of an idea, those things have a lot of value, obviously. So the physical space shift that we have experienced over the last few weeks has been very new for a lot of people, you know, and I think for Gen Z, for younger millennials, it's something that they've kind of grooved into. But I think for those who are traditionalists who've been in the agency business for a very long time, it's definitely been an adjustment. And I think after that, once we kind of settled into our spaces here, like I'm in my bedroom now, and, you know, the second thing, obviously, that, you know, we felt it coming was the financial recalibration. Uh, you know, there's been furloughs and layoffs and, and uh, you know, senior management. We've all taken pay cuts, for example. Um, and, you know, that's all for the greater good to make sure that we are safe for the rest of the year. Is the work still coming in? Are you still, are clients still coming to you? Yeah, I think so. They're coming in, but to ask us questions. The first phase was figuring out, okay, do we stop all of kind of the communications that's out there for a particular brand, all brands rather, and then figuring out what that COVID lens starts to look like. So we had to readjust very, very quickly. And so there was this, you know, there's New York stuff. There's also this idea of New York Minute, right? Like there's no pause. You just keep going. And and we did that. What was interesting for me, because I didn't grow up in advertising, was to see very quickly all of the ads on TV started to look the same. (laughs) There was the same music and the same pause and the same kind of lines and words and stories. So I think there's something to be said about um, the importance of pause um, and sort of, you know, thinking through what this may mean for the long term. But I think a lot of it was reactionary. We had to stop something and kind of very quickly assess, um, 
you know, what do we need to do to actually contextualize some of the messaging? But I know that, I know for a fact that a lot of new business pitches, which is sort of the mainstay of, you know, the advertising business in many ways, they're still happening on Zoom. So we're figuring out sort of new ways to get creative and present new information and, and insights and ideas mm-hmm. just sitting here virtually. I mean, let's talk about that because people find it difficult not to have those face-to-face contacts. And and I guess a lot of what you do is is getting people to work together creatively and building yeah. relationships between people, making sure that people are contributing, all of that stuff. Yeah. How are you finding all of that side of your, your role? You know, I think that I have been pleasantly surprised um, at the quality of work coming out. So I do agree that it's that sense of connection that becomes a catalyst for creativity. And I think we were under the assumption always because of the way that we are as humans and how we connect with other people that it's only when sort of you kind of come together with somebody or run into each other, you know, at the water cooler in the kitchen or, you know, wherever you are taking a walk during lunch that a spark of an idea comes. And I think that's always going to be true. But I also think what's really interesting now and what I've heard from my team, um, as well as some of the creatives, is that they now have some space and time to pause themselves. And I think that freedom of space and the quiet that they never had while at work, because, you, you know, it's an open office environment. You're always, there's, there's pros and there's cons to that. And now we are sort of shifted to that other side where, there is a lot of quiet and there is a lot of moment for reflection. And I think that introspection has led to a different kind of spark. And so when you have all of these individuals having those individual sparks and then they come together and say, well, I had this idea. And then, so there's a way, so I guess the kind of the way that it's sort of structured is changing, but we're still, uh, you know, getting a lot of really solid ideas. And the other thing, Chris, that I think has, has led to good ideas is that when you are limited, you know, I feel like limitation also encourages creativity, right? So I think both of those factors have come together in a way. Do you think you might almost want to keep that individual withdrawal from the group? Or were you, or were you already doing that? We weren't doing that. I, do, I think we weren't doing that enough. I think that, you know, in advertising in New York, you're in the office very early in the morning. You're in the office very late at night. You get back, you might grab a bite and you're on your computer again. There was no moment to pause. It was always work, work, work. Um, And typically we work six days a week sometimes. Um, And I think that what we realized, and I personally realized, my team has as well, and I hope others in the industry have realized that there is a lot of value to that solitude. And I think this year, strangely, is a year of deep introspection, of pause. And I think it's very interesting, the kind of the tension we have where it's, it's the New York minute and you never pause and you have to react so quickly because your life and your work and you know, your salary depends on it. But at the same time, you realize when you don't pause enough, things are going to start to look the same and they'll be dull and boring. So I think to, for, for creating the sense of insightful, meaningful work, I think you do have to balance that. And I think people have realized that there's, there's a lot of importance. So I think perhaps the way we start to work in the near future is going to change. Maybe I'll be allowed to work from home two days a week. I wanted to ask you about Black Lives Matter and all of that that's happening, because do you think that maybe that's one of the reasons that's had that people have really taken note of this is because we're in this reflective pause moment because because things like this have happened a lot in, in the US before without 
quite such a big reaction. I think so. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the institutions are alarmed at the level of intensity of the turnout and the kinds of things that folks are doing. It's amazing to see what is happening. I mean, we have a potential um, you know, legislation that might, be, that might be passed soon around police accountability. When did that happen? COVID definitely led to a lot of introspection. Your world is, you know, your world becomes um, smaller and bigger at the same time. Smaller because you're at home. You may be living alone in a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan or in Queens. But at the same time, you're also opening up and consuming a lot more. It's a social first orientation. And what you're seeing on social, what you're seeing um, on your friends' networks is what is happening out there. So there is much more intense consumption of these sorts of things. And so I think people have been able to connect at a much deeper level. You know, earlier, I think a lot of statements were put out by brands. They were rather half hollow, I think, but now they're being called out for it. And so we on our side in the industry are now finally pausing for the right reasons and even coming up, you know, which they're calling it a point of view, but really coming up with sort of putting a stake in the ground and saying, even as communicators, we don't want to just communicate something that is not aligned with the set of values that we have as an agency partnering with a client. But also, if the client is not actually changing internal policies or taking action in, in, a, in a meaningful way, we don't want to talk about it anymore. What you're saying is that there's a sort of ethical reflection from, from clients, from brands, from agencies themselves saying, we're not just doing this to sell potato chips. We're doing this because we actually need, we, we want to be to connect with deeper values. I think that advertising traditionally has been a purveyor of culture, a reflector of culture, but I think we need to meaningfully contribute to culture. All the young folks now working, even in advertising, are saying, you know what, I refuse to be part of something if it's just going to be hollow, meaningless, fall flat, when this is an issue that needs, you know, uh, this amount of gravity and this amount of sort of um, nurturing and, 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 you know, things of that nature. So I think that there is definitely a much deeper shift this time. So, so consumers are sort of saying, look, we're not buying this anymore. If, if you're going to, you, you can't just sort of stick a, stick a kind of slogan like an elastoplast over what you're doing. You actually need to be genuine about this, authentic about this. And that's coming from the ground up. Absolutely. I think that, you know, advertising has always been about sort of a clever line. You know, it's it's always over-indexed or leaned into the entertainment value. Advertising is about communications first. That's the end game. And I think what we're seeing is a shift to impact and change first. It's the action and the impact and the measured impact that we want to communicate. It's not communication for the sake of it, like, you know, selling a bag of chips, for, you know. Do you think the industry itself is going to change its hiring practices? I mean, you're, you're a, an immigrant woman, and I don't know how many people like you that look like you are in your industry. Um, certainly in the UK, it's, I don't think advertising or any of the creative industries are particularly diverse, ethnically, social class, gender, you name it. You know, they've scored pretty badly on all of those things. Is that something that you see changing? 
definitely I do. New York especially um, has also been under under a lot of criticism uh, as an industry because, yes, you're right, it's, it's not as diverse. When I end up on panels or I'm in a, in a, in a place where there's a lot of gathering, it's a lot of white Americans. She sounds pretty unusual, your boss. Um, <laughs> Because uh, I don't know how many female CEOs there are in advertising. I'm guessing not that many. Do you think you're a bit of an outlier then, your, your, your firm? I never wanted to be in advertising because of the things I had heard about advertising. Mm. Um, you know, very narrow focus, very specific in terms of their approach to life, you know, very linear in terms of how they see the world. You know, New York might be the global capital of the world, but they were very much in their little bubble. And so just based on the experiences I had had at conferences and, and you know, in, in, in just sort of uh, connections with people, I just never felt I would ever fit in. And I was actually planning to do a PhD in anthropology when a recruiter in the industry said, well, just meet these folks at Deutsch. You, you love them. And I said, well, I was very skeptical. And I went in and I just went with my instinct and I felt like this was a very different agency. You've progressed quite high up and quite rapidly through Deutsch, right? I mean, that that's something also that's interesting because I, the stereotype of advertising is that there's a lot of unpaid internships who never progress and just get stuck and exploited. And, and also that restricts the type of people that can go into the industry in the first place because who can afford to do an unpaid internship? And then when you get there, you're perpetually disappointed because the glamorous, marvellous, exciting world of advertising is ends up really being subservient to a very hierarchical set up but that doesn't seem to have been your experience when i now look back and i've been here for 15 years i am so i feel a, a lot of gratitude for how far i've come you know the first job i had in america was at a very global company and so they needed and i say this to other immigrant women and men who i speak to who come to this country i feel like if the first job is a job that allows you to be you in all of in all of yourself and in your spirit and your wisdom and your intellect and all of the and your interests and passions that can really catapult you so for example my first role was at this trends company you know i was a trend forecaster and a lot of my um perspective uh, was around Asia and, and Europe, and it was very international. So I was immediately sort of uh, valued. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say valued more, but valued because of the unique perspective I was bringing in compared to some of my other American peers. And so that led to, uh, you know, a sense of confidence and, and a sense of achievement that I felt, you know, the, the three, four years that I was there at, at that company. So I never thought I would be leading a team at this level. Um, but, you know, here I am. What I was going to ask you more about the industry generally now, is there a sort of pivot towards doing more uh, online, more social, more mobile? Was that happening anyway? Is that, are we, it's a bit like what's happening with everything else. Here we are zooming. Overall, there's a, like I, I mentioned this before, there's a social first orientation. Everybody is, you know, looking at their phones, right? They're always on Facebook. They're always on Instagram. And I think that what's happening as a result of it is the content you're seeing now is all around Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter is just one spark. It's a very deep and, and important spark, but it's sparking other social justice conversations around ICE and Im immigration and, and camps and detention camps and those kinds of things. 
And so one after the other, we're going to see a series of other things sort of, you know, clamor on to Black Lives Matter, that being sort of at, at the epicenter of everything. And so when you have something like that, which is so, uh, which has so much gravity, you can't be selling your products the way you did. Mm. What's happening now is that not only are we revisiting a lot of the messaging for brands and things like that, but we are now thinking about having a much more deeper conversation with our clients to say, well, what is happening inside? How many skeletons do you have in your closet? People want to know how you're treating your employees. People want to know what are you doing for the community? People want to know what are you doing for customers? So it's a kind of democratic thing, really, isn't it? You're having to, rather than tell consumers what to do, you're having to listen to what they want your brands to do. And you're the, you're the messenger. Exactly. Like you reminded me. So there's this term that uh, clients use all the time called customer lifetime value. But I think it's, it's, it's flipping. It's like, what, I mean, this is not a term really, but what's the brand lifetime value? What are you bringing to me mm. you know, in terms of impact in my life every day and in my community where I am? Yeah, it's, like, it's some of those theories about postmodern tribal marketing where you're encouraged to follow the follow what consumers are doing and and build into their you know learn from their values rather than try and walk and say hi it's me i'm selling you something and i would add that you know there's this very deep institutional distrust at least in america i'm sure it's global and there is no trust in the government there hasn't been definitely for the last four years um and I think that there is a bigger sense of responsibility or accountability that consumers are now putting on brand. Creating a movement in the corporate world, which is really made up of a lot of legacy companies, is very difficult to do. We're not necessarily oriented to have those conversations. We are trying to figure out how do we at least push them along or steer them in, in, that, in that direction. But you must be getting kickback. From some brands, you say because you, you describe pushing them along. So presumably, some push back and say, uh, "You know, I'm not. I'm not. What are you talking about? Black Lives Matter." <laughs> well, can't name names, can I? I think that there's a way that legacy brands have always done something. And a lot of those companies are driven by, you know, sort of baby boomers, right? Who, who've been in the business for 30 plus years, and it's always worked. But I think even they sense there's some sort of seismic shift happening underneath their feet and something needs to shift, but they don't exactly have a blueprint for what that means for them. You know, some will say, well, I, but I do this, this, and this for the community. In my mind, usually that ends up being checkbook philanthropy. Like even now, when you see a lot of the brands raise their hands and saying, we did, what are they doing? They're donating money, 5 million there, 10 million there. Theoretically, we all know if donations solved world's problems, we wouldn't have any problems, but that's not the case. I think what we need is systemic change, institutional change, and that has to happen with, you know, brands have to look at the supply chain, brands have to look at their internal policies, brands have to look at their hiring practices. So those things are not going to change overnight, but I think what's going to be really interesting, and I hope this happens, is that I think that a lot of legacy companies, if they have the right leadership at the helm, will start to think about, all right, we haven't really done much in this area. Maybe there's an acknowledgement, maybe there's even an apology. But I think after that, there has to be an intention. 
that our intention over the next five to 10 years, you know, it's like when BP says by 2050, I'm going to be carbon neutral, right? It's that kind of intention. It's not an overnight change, but it's an intention. I, and I hope that we are going to see some of these legacy brands move from denial to acknowledgement to apology to intention. What, what are the things you worry about in terms of the industry over the next five years? If we don't pause enough or and think hard enough, I I'm afraid that the reset, you know, the reset that that's meant to be, that should be, um, is also going to start to look the same. Are we going to have the patience to, as an industry, to actually pause, maybe even collaborate? There's going to be an impetus, isn't there, as well, of let's get back to normal, let's get back to business, let's get back to making a lot of money. Let's forget about all this kind of thoughtful, reflective stuff that, that Deutsch and Schreyer have been talking about. Let's just get, you know, make some, make some dollars and make them quick. And, and you, you know, before you know it, the, the, the kind of little opportunity pause is gone and you're back in it. You're back in your New York minute again. You know, yes, there, there's, there's negatives and there's fear and all of that. But I think this is also a time for kind of an awakening and I think that with crisis can come clarity. And I think that clarity won't come if we don't pause hard enough to think about what is the right step forward. Because if so much is broken, it's for a reason. My focus, my personal sort of focus has been on impact. And, and when I say impact, I mean social impact and change. And how do we sort of um, build a model for kind of an impact first orientation? you know, where communications comes out of as, as a result of, you know, what the action is. And uh, sometimes it takes a pandemic for people to understand what that means. I just think my personal belief system is that, you know, nonprofits and donations are not going to solve the world's problems. If you think about the UN and the sustainability goals, they have a trillion dollar deficit. The private sector must be a part of it. Mm. We have to collaborate. And so my passion has been to figure out how do we do that? You know, so it's it's interesting to see now this, you know, the sort of big rah-rah in the industry around, you know, purpose and, and change and action and all of that stuff. And I'm interested to see how the other agencies come to terms with it. How are they pushing their clients? Um, you know, so we'll see. That was Shreya Mukherjee at Deutsch in New York, talking to me on Thursday the 11th of June about advertising. Reflecting on a year of pause, a chance to rethink and reset. Businesses are being challenged by the Black Lives Matter movement, by a loss of faith in institutions from the government downwards, by a public who have taken time to think. Maybe there is an opportunity for change, real change, not just a change in communications, not just checkbook philanthropy, but changing the way organisations work, who they hire, what they do. And advertising agencies can help to lead that change, reconnecting with values, placing impact and purpose first rather than being communication-led. But it won't be easy. We're about to enter a global recession. Millions of people are unemployed. It will be very tempting to substitute cosmetic change for real change, to go back to business as usual. We have a choice, a chance to make a difference, but it will take time and it will take patience. It will take more than a New York minute. Governments and businesses will have a part to play and so will we, as workers, as voters, as consumers 
Our choices and our actions matter, so let's do the right thing. I'd like to thank Shreya for her time, Mike Ruchinski for improving the sound, and Rob Bilton for the music. And thank you for listening. I'm Chris Bilton from University of Warwick, and we will meet again.